Can you truly trust what you see? How about what you hear? Close your eyes, breathe deep, and steady your nerves. The shadows keep their secrets close. Welcome to the October Horror Podcast, where the veil between reality and nightmare is at its thinnest. Get ready, because the unknown awaits. One one two o five J here. Two nine four three seven J here, and six o three one three J. The guard looked up from the roster after not receiving an instant reply from the last of the six on his list. His body half turned in the driver's seat, leaning an arm where his back would rest to support the clipboard in his hands. Something the matter back there, six o three one three J? No, sir. Sorry. Guess I'm still not used to being called that. The man sitting next to Patch shot an elbow into his ribs, hard enough to be only a little painful. A warning he could not express aloud. Patch had always been taught to never back down when someone tested you. This seemed like one of those moments where that advice would come in handy. He turned to face the man, ready to defend against whatever he had planned. To Patch's surprise, though, It did not seem that his seatmate was looking to fight. The man wore a concerned expression while mouthing a silent word. Here. As he said this, the man, with his scraggly beard in desperate need of a trim, shot his eyes back and forth between Patch and the guard at the front of the van. Oh, Patch said with sudden realization. Here. About time. Welcome to the fucking party. The guard was a pale, rail-thin man. He placed the clipboard with the roster on the seat beside him and turned to face the van full of inmates. Though the 12-passenger transit van was only half full, the inmates were not allowed to sit in a row by themselves. Patch and his seatmate, whom he'd come to know as Warren, sat in the middle row. Two other sets of prisoners sat in front and behind them. Y'all know the drill. Douglas County likes to keep its streets beautiful and free of trash. Unfortunately, people got a nasty habit of slinging shit from their vehicles onto the road. That's where you all come in. You'll be clearing a six-mile stretch today, from Rock House on down to Highway 92. I know you all know this, but it bears repeating. There is to be no fraternizing with the civilian population. Don't matter if you see friends or family. Hell, if you come across Jesus giving Judas a blowjob in a station wagon, you best go on about your fucking business. Only interaction you have with them is if they throw the used condom out the window when they're done. Got me? You've been granted this privilege because the state of Georgia trusts you. Betray that trust, and the consequences will be both swift and severe. Now fall out, and let's get to work. The guard whose badge read Simmons, shot a hand out and grabbed Patch by the arm before he exited the van. He pulled him into the now vacant seat, letting the other inmates exit before addressing Patch. Seeing as how this is your first detail, I'm inclined to let you off with a warning. I don't tolerate no type of slick shit from any of you. Now, 
We gonna have a problem, boy? No, not, not at all. Good. It behoove you to remember that I am authorized to use deadly force if I see fit. I... I understand. Sky awoke with a scream. This was the second nightmare she'd had in as many nights. It seemed her nerves were getting the better of her. Sky sat up in hopes of slowing her rapid breaths. Bits and pieces of the awful dream still ran through her sleep-clouded mind. The judge banged his gavel, signifying his final ruling. Sky heard the words, but could not comprehend what was being said. Officers flanked her boyfriend, pulling him to his feet and escorting him from the courtroom through the doors that prisoners used. No, no, you can't. Sky stood, despite the sobs shaking her entire body. Order. You can't do this. Sky made her way into the aisle from the benches. I said order. Restrain yourself, ma'am, or I will find you in contempt. The gavel struck harder. Tears fell from Skye's eyes. She faced the judge and was stopped cold by what she saw. The man at the head of the courtroom was no longer a man at all. His smoldering flesh burned holes through the robe he wore. I said order. The judge snarled, bearing jagged teeth. Pointed brown and black horns protruding from his head caught fire as he raised the gavel up high. That means shut your fucking mouth, bitch. He brought the gavel down with a mighty force onto what was no longer a sounding block, but Patch's head. It struck with an awful crunch, spraying blood and viscera, bone shards, brain matter, in all directions. Skye found herself relieved that the dream did not stay with her for long. She swung her legs, orange in the glow of the street lamp shining through the partially drawn curtain, over the side of the bed and rested her elbows on top of them. From where she sat, Skye had a clear view of the alarm clock on the dresser at the opposite side of the room. Patch once insisted on doing it that way, saying the goal was to get you out of bed. The clock serving at least one of its intended purposes, read 5.32 a.m. Well, at least I won't be late. He'd been everything to her. Barring all cliches, the rose-colored glasses that oxytocin is known to produce, Patch was the love of her life. Four years ago, Skye nearly died at the hands of an abusive ex-lover. Had Patch not been in the right place at the exact moment he was needed, She'd have been a casualty of that fateful night. Nothing more than another number in the roadway death statistics that the Georgia Department of Transportation posted on their electronic road signs when not warning drivers about the traffic conditions. A chill ran through her. As she shivered, Skye reached up to clutch the peculiar ornament that hung from the necklace she wore. She ran a finger over the blood-red ruby clutched securely within the claws of the golden talon. Death was nearer to her than usual. With all that needed to be done today, a pang of worry creeped into her thoughts, for she was uncertain whom it was coming to claim. The sun beat down on them from above. Fall meant nothing to Georgia. The heat would likely hang around until early November. Still. They were happy to be amongst actual civilization, 
not in their cells staring at the sterile cinder block walls. No natural light, only artificial fluorescent beams that could never match the sun's output. Patch didn't mind the heat. It kept his mind focused, helped to keep from obsessing about the unfairness of his situation. Keep picking up trash while the sun is being an absolute ass. Maybe you'll have a stroke and get to live out the rest of your sentence brain-dead in the infirmary. That would at least be some form of justice. Ahead of him, two of the other inmates occupied themselves by pushing one another towards every puddle of mud they spotted, trying to get the other to step in it. Such a bullshit detail. Busy work for the inmates that the state did not consider a threat. And Patch was no threat. That was certain. He had an alibi that he was confident would hold up against every piece of evidence. It did not, though. His lawyer called it an egregious miscarriage of justice, stating that he was filing an appeal right away. When that was shot down, too, Patch did his best to make peace with his situation. The black population in America has a long history of being charged with and incarcerated for crimes they did not commit. Many had come before him. More would come after. This fight was out of his hands. The van they'd arrived in pulled ahead of the small work detail, then skidded onto the side of the road. A plume of dust and gravel and road debris went flying in the inmate's direction. The engine shut off. A moment later, Officer Simmons stepped out. He ambled to the rear door, opening it with a grunt. Two milk crates sat on the floor of the vehicle. Lunchtime, boys. Grab a bag, something to drink, and a nice piece of shade. Back to work in 20. Stale PB&J with a couple four-ounce apple juice boxes and a pack of Oreo cookies. A far cry from anything Patch would have made for his own lunch, but still better than the mystery meat sandwiches they were getting back at the pen. He found a spot near the tree line and sat down, ready to pretend and enjoy his meal. Sup, noob? Patch looked up from his sandwich to see Warren approaching. Hey, don't worry about earlier. Warren found a soft spot on the ground next to Patch. Simmons is a hard ass. Follow his rules and you're good. There are plenty other shit details to be on, trust me. This right here is one of the best. Fresh air little bit of exercise, and every now and then some pretty bitches pass by. Don't know how you did it, but you lucked up getting this for your first time out. I just didn't want to see you fuck up a good thing before it even started. Warren took a huge bite of his sandwich and continued talking around the mouthful of food. The best thing is that, like I said, follow the rules. Mm. Simmons will ask for you again next time Jay is up for work detail. In other words, I should be grateful I'm here? Fuck yeah. Motherfuckers would and maybe have killed to get a taste of the outside life like we getting. Life being the operative word. That what you worried about? Got some time on your hands and can't see yourself serving at all? Bro, keep volunteering for shit. You might not always get picked, but the time will fly by when you do. Nah, you missed my point. I don't belong here. And I have no idea how I'm going to prove that. Warren picked up one of his juice boxes from where it sat in the grass and pocketed it. Mmm. Shit's going to be wine in a few days. 
Listen, man. Every other brother that comes to this joint swears they not guilty. Their judge was biased, piece of shit lawyer, goddamn mistrial. It's like first day penitentiary shit. What makes you any different? All at once, Patch's appetite was gone. He threw the sandwich back in the bag. There was likely around 15 minutes left in the break. Patch decided he would use the time resting his eyes. He folded the lunch bag, sandwich and all, into a small pillow, placing it on the ground behind him. As he was leaning back, his gaze drifted east down Riverside Parkway. A large cement truck was approaching, probably on its way to the construction site further up the road. From a distance, it appeared to be swerving left and right, as though maintaining the lane was the hardest task ever. A pickup truck emerged from behind it, using the oncoming traffic lane to pull up beside the vehicle. Confused, Patch looked on as the pickup began ramming the driver's side of the construction truck. The moment arrived. She'd spent many days doing her own practice runs. Even so, Sky was more nervous than she'd ever been. Everything hinged on precision. One missed step or altered detail, and her window of opportunity would vanish. The rideshare met her outside the apartment. After confirming she was headed to the grocery store, they departed. Skye was unsure if she'd have the nerve to do this again if it didn't work. Thinking of Patch and how he made her feel, how much she owed him, and the injustice he'd been done, kept her focused. As the car continued... She pulled her phone from her purse, dropping it beneath the front seat of the car. The small diversion only necessary if the day didn't go as planned. Arriving at the store, Skye wasted no time. She walked inside and grabbed a shopping cart. The car she rode in pulled away to its next destination. The driver would come to regret the five-star rating he gave her later on that evening when being questioned by police. Inside, Skye spent 20 minutes browsing the aisles, pulling small items from the shelves, microwavable foods, travel-sized toiletries, a burner phone, and things she could craft a small first aid kit from. All to be paid for in cash. After leaving the store, she walked out to the parking lot, strode to a space at the back where a beat-up pickup truck was parked. Skye placed the grocery bags in the bed, pulled her keys out of her pocket, and got into the driver's seat. A quick time check revealed she was a few minutes ahead of schedule. Skye took in a deep breath. Her hands were shaking. As she breathed out, tears spilled from her eyes. Fuck! Breathe, goddammit! Fucking breathe! Wiping away the tears, she opened the glove compartment and removed the Glock pistol. Skye placed it beside her on the passenger seat. The clip that held the rounds was heavy in her pocket. Instead of joining the two, she rested her head on the steering wheel and closed her eyes in disbelief at what she was about to do. A vision, a waking dream, descended upon her. Streetlights rhythmically illuminated the dark interior of the car as she sped beneath them. The road was empty save for the car that pursued her. Sky had the gas pedal depressed as far as it could go, 
but knew her car was no match for the one that was gaining on her with each passing second. Raindrops began pelting the windshield. Skye was too scared to move her hands from the wheel and turn the wipers on. Her view of the road ahead grew worse and worse as the rain intensified. She glanced in the rearview mirror and saw the lights of August's car had almost caught up. Seconds later, Skye was shaken in her seat as his car rammed into the back of her own. The engine roared in protest, unable to go any faster than its current speed. August rear-ended Skye's car again, and she began to fishtail. The car skid, swerving into the oncoming lane as she tried to regain control. August plowed into the side of the vehicle, sending it end over end down the embankment on the side of the road. Sky awoke at the sound of a voice calling out, asking if she was okay. Patch's voice. Her entire body was racked with pain, and all she could do was cry out. The driver's side door was then ripped from its hinges. A powerful arm reached into the car and grabbed her. When her eyes focused, Sky found herself staring down a monstrous demon, not Patch, holding her aloft. The thing brought her closer until its jagged-toothed mouth was close enough to her ear it could bite it off if it so desired. You. A figure shrouded in darkness. Shadows seemed to billow from its flesh. The demon's words issued forth like the hot exhaust of a muscle car. You cannot hide forever. I will find you. Taking in a deep, excited breath, Sky lifted her head. Still in the parking lot, she quickly mastered herself. A quick glance through the window to her left, and she saw it. A large cement delivery truck rolling past the shopping plaza, right on time. Everything thus far had gone according to plan. From purchasing the gun, to the truck, the decoy, even the trips to the construction site. The only question Sky had... The very reason for her current bout of anxiety was whose plan it was. There was no time to wonder, though. Skye fished the magazine from her pocket and loaded it into the gun. Once done, she started the vehicle and pulled out of the parking spot. The pickup trailed behind the cement truck as it made its way down the road. At times, she let a car or two in between them so as not to clue the driver in that he was being followed. As the turn approached, Sky closed the gap between them. Patch had been railroaded from the start. August, a terrible person in his own right, didn't deserve the fate he was dealt. But Patch hadn't been anywhere near him at the time of the murder. Hell, he wouldn't be able to identify the man if they were staring at each other. Add to it the fact that Patch didn't have it in him to take a life. There were some serious discrepancies in testimony and evidence as well. None of it mattered in the end. The jury still found him guilty, and the judge, the goddamn judge with his smug, self-assured demeanor, issued the life sentence with utter disdain for Patch, throwing out phrases like unfit to be a functional member of society and delusional worldview. Thinking about it made Skye physically ill. Three months into the first year of his sentence is when she received the first letter. 
an envelope in her mailbox, blank save for her name. Upon arriving in her apartment, she opened it. The typed page contained only a few sentences. Had Sky been of a clearer mind, she would have dismissed it outright, but she was distraught, desperately wanting to free her man from such an unjust fate. Patch is innocent. I know who killed August. Motive and all. I won't be able to prove any of this while he's still locked up, which is why you need to get Patch out of prison. There were follow-up letters. She kept every one, never questioning where they came from or who sent them. In the beginning, they described what everyday life was like for Patch. Skye would have left the letters alone had she not visited and confirmed their accuracy. The letters began assigning her chores. The sender wanted to guide Skye's hand in setting Patch free. She was to visit a construction site on Riverside Parkway, where a new apartment complex was being built. She was instructed to get a hard hat and safety vest to nose around the site, learning all she could about the delivery schedule. Sky took pictures, wrote notes, and uploaded all she found to a Dropbox folder she'd gained access to through another of the mysterious letters. Then, after months of the one-sided correspondence, she received the note that sent her into action. The times were specific, and if not executed to the letter, everything would fall apart. Patch would remain in prison, and Sky herself, depending on how far into the plan things fell apart, could face some serious time. Traffic, no more than a few cars, at the intersection cleared and the cement truck began crawling forward into the turn. Sky was close behind. At this time of day, most people were already at work, so there was less of a chance that anyone else would be on the road with them. She only had a brief window of execution. Every part of her needed to focus on the plan. The letters hadn't failed her so far. She could sort all this out after Patch was free and safe. They passed Rockhouse Road and Sky fell back a bit to see around the truck. The sides of the road were clear. The detail couldn't have reached the construction site yet, not if they were on schedule. It should be lunchtime. Rounding a curve before the bridge across Sweetwater Creek, she spotted them. From the distance, Skye could not tell who was who, but the van that transported the prisoners was clear. Skye accelerated. She slammed into the back of the cement truck. The truck rocked back and forth unfazed for the most part. Skye fell back, then accelerated again, ramming the truck once more. An explosion of plastic as her headlights shattered. She slowed once more. The detail was close. She began honking her horn, swerving side to side to catch the driver's mirrors. The truck driver, wanting to be rid of the crazy person behind him, pressed down on the gas. The truck lurched forward and gained speed. The moment had arrived. Sky sped up and swerved into the oncoming lane. She pulled up beside the truck driver and lowered her window, 
As she did this, the driver also lowered his. What the fuck is your problem, lady? I'm sorry. She grabbed the loaded pistol from the passenger seat and, in a delicate balance of aiming and keeping an eye out for any oncoming vehicles, squeezed off a round. The bullet traveled straight through the cab of the cement truck. The driver might not have known anything happened at all had the passenger window not shattered into pieces. He fumbled in his seat, wanting to roll up his window while trying to figure out how to shake the lunatic beside him. The driver panicked and slammed his foot down on the gas pedal. Realizing too late that he'd meant to apply the brakes, he chanced a sidelong glance. The woman in the pickup was keeping pace with him. His heart, already beating as fast as a hummingbird's, hit a frenzy upon seeing the woman lining up for another shot. This time, the truck driver found the brakes. The problem was that the man's poor heart could not take it, and he fell into cardiac arrest. And so, instead of gracefully applying the brakes, the driver's foot slammed down onto the pedal. Officer Simmons heard the roar from the tires as they skid across the asphalt. He saw the truck struggle and fail to keep a straight trajectory, watched the heavy load drag the vehicle sideways, and the tires, unable to function in this new configuration, completely give out. The truck, tons of cold, unforgiving steel, rolling end over end toward his work detail. Move! Get the fuck out of the way, y'all! Move! Patch leapt to his feet and dove into the brush to avoid the fallen truck as it shot past him, spilling a trail of wet cement. The vehicle plowed into the prisoner transport van, demolishing the half that faced the road. From across the street, a safe enough distance away from the wreck, Officer Simmons began shouting orders. Everybody over here, now! One line! Prepare to be counted off! A few inmates scurried across the road and lined up beside Simmons. Patch emerged from his safe spot. He looked to where the truck stopped, a mess of glass, rubber, and horrifically bent metal. The truck driver hadn't climbed out of the cab. Patch weighed his options. The decent thing to do would be to run over and see if the man needed help. It would likely get him in a ton of trouble with Simmons, though. As he pondered his next move, a familiar voice rang in his ear. Patch, get in! He turned in the direction the voice came from, in disbelief. Sky? No. This had to be some trick. What was she doing here? Across the road, Simmons barked obscenities as only four of the six inmates had obeyed his initial order. Patch, however, was too awestruck to pay any attention to the man. What are you doing here? Babe, I know you have questions. I know you're super confused. But trust me when I say none of that matters right now. Get in the goddamn truck and let's get the fuck out of here. Motherfucker. Inmate 60313J, I'm only going to say this once. The officer drew his service pistol, but held it at his side. Step away from the civilian and take your place in line. Do not make me use this, boy. Patch, we're out of time. We need to go. A moment's hesitation, 
and then Patch darted to the passenger door of the pickup truck. The vehicle began to accelerate even before he was settled in the seat. There was a thunderous crack. Patch whipped his head around to Sky. She held the steering wheel with one hand while the other arm extended through the window. She had a gun. She was firing at Simmons. The shots went wild intentionally, but Simmons scrambled for cover anyway. Looking back at the scene, Patch noticed something else. On the road, near where he attempted to rest a few moments ago, an odd mound of wet cement. An arm, he could see it clearly, limp, unmoving. Warren! Marshal Jalen Rowe received the call late in the evening. A horrific accident, one inmate dead and one escaped. A lifer, plus a suspected outside accomplice. The officer in charge of the work detail, Harry Simmons, was immediately relieved of duty and being held for questioning. Rowe pulled a few strings and got Simmons released. He met the man in the parking lot of the prison. It took very little convincing to get the officer to accompany him to dinner. The two sat across from one another in the barbecue restaurant. Rowe, a man of exceptional taste, sported jeans and a sport coat with a demeanor that made it seem he didn't have a single care in the world. By contrast, Officer Simmons was a mess. Visibly shaken, the man's uniform was damp with sweat and a subtle but quite noticeable odor wafted off of him. Officer Simmons, you've got to calm down. He held up his hand and gestured for the waiter. They're gonna nail me for this. I know it. It ain't fucking fair. I don't even know what happened out there. My God, man, re-fucking-lax. If you were in any trouble career-wise, would they have simply released you when I asked? No fuss at all? I mean, this all just happened today. Nobody knows the facts yet. When all is said and done, I bet you'll come out of this smelling like roses. Probably with a commendation for your bravery during such an unprecedented event. No sense in going to pieces when there's just so little info, right? I, I guess you're right. Simmons wiped at his brow with the arm of his shirt. The waiter arrived and Roe regarded Simmons once more. Now, you strike me as the type of person who enjoys the occasional whiskey sour. Am I correct? Okay, if we hold the sour. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> Two whiskeys, neat, with a water backer. I'll also have a half rack of ribs, the smoked sausage, slightly charred, mac and cheese, and collards. My friend here will have the roasted chicken with a loaded baked potato, steamed veggie plate, and the New York Strip. Oh, whoa, oh, hey, I'd appreciate the gesture, but I can't eat all that. I love this place. I eat here every time I get a chance to come up this way, which is not nearly as much as I would like. I'm sure, Officer Simmons, that you are much more conscious of the temptations housed within this establishment, given the prison's proximity to the restaurant and all. If overindulgence is your concern, Remember, we're dining on the government's dime tonight, and as such, if you don't finish your meal, you could simply take it home 
and do the very same tomorrow. Simmons smiled. This felt like a small payback for the way he'd been treated after calling in the accident. The Georgia Department of Corrections was lucky to have him. Every day he came to work and did the best he could with what little he was given. He wasn't trying to make friends like some of the other officers. He simply enforced the law. And for that, he was suspended and held for questioning? Simmons sat back in his seat, raised his arms up, and placed his hands behind his head, relaxed at last. You know, you might be on to something. Let's make it two stakes. The waiter walked away, and Jalen leaned in closer to the officer. Look, I'm not here to bullshit you. We both respect each other, and neither of us would ever get in the way of the other's job, correct? Yeah, of course. Good. Simmons, I need you to tell me everything that happened today. Every detail you can remember, even ones you think aren't important. Simmons recounted all that happened on the work detail over the huge meal. The marshal, at several points, produced a pen and pad and took notes. Rose stopped him once he got to the point of calling in the accident. Not gonna lie, that's a lot. Jalen scribbled a signature on the receipt and turned it face side down on the table. What do you say we get out of here? I'll drive you back to your car. Simmons took hold of the two plastic bags filled to the brim with takeout containers. Yeah, okay. They reached the government-issue vehicle in the dimly lit parking lot. Back when they'd first arrived, Jalen insisted on parking in one of the back spaces, stating that they were the ones that were always available. At the time, Simmons hadn't thought anything of it. Now, with the streetlights not strong enough to illuminate this section of the lot, and with the passenger side facing the tree line of some unknown wooded area, Simmons was not sure he saw the logic in it. Just put the bags in the back seat. They'll be fine there. Without a word, Simmons placed one of the bags on top of the car to free up one hand and open the back door. He tried the handle, but it didn't open. Hey, can you unlock the back door? Hmm. It should already be. Try it again. Simmons' second attempt failed as well. Jalen joined him on the passenger side. See for yourself, Marshal. Won't budge. Officer Simmons moved aside and let Jalen in. As he did, a sharp pain erupted in his lower back. Confused, he tried to reach behind himself in an attempt to feel if something was out of place. Jalen caught his hand before he could. It's a tri-dagger. Nasty little tool. Three blades, surgical sharp, spiraling down from tip to hilt. Damn near impossible to stitch any wound it makes. And would you look at that. It's pierced straight through your kidney. Moving will only make it worse. Like, much worse. Listen to me. I'm grateful for the information. All of it. But the fact of the matter is this is the best outcome you could have hoped for. You're guilty of gross negligence, which led to not only the death of one of your charges, but the escape of another. You'd be lucky to find work as a Walmart greeter once the investigation concludes. 
I'm simply bringing what will no doubt be a long, agonizing process to a faster end. Jalen removed the blade from Simmons' back and blood cascaded down the bottom half of his uniform. Within seconds, the officer slumped forward. Jalen caught him and braced his body upright while opening the back door with ease. He then walked the officer over to it and lay his lifeless body across the back seat. Thank you for tuning in to October Horror. Remember, dear listeners, the night is long and the shadows grow deeper. Stay tuned for our next episode, coming soon to haunt your sleepless nights. Until then, I'm Bryant Wiley, your guide through the abyss. Cheers and pleasant nightmares, my friends.